State Sycamores are tournament champions. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, and Missouri State is Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. Northern Iowa back in the NCAA tournament. Wichita State Shockers, winners of the Missouri Valley Conference. Back for another edition of the Inside the Valley podcast. My name is Derek Dockett, Associate Commissioner. New Media Technology with the Missouri Valley Conference, and back reunited with my uh, Twitter friend, Joseph Spivey. It's been a while since I've uh, been able to chat with you, sir. Yeah, Derek, reunited, and uh, not not to make a cliche out of myself, but it, it feels <laughs> it feels so good. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to be back. I'm excited to, to talk some Valley. Yeah, I know you've uh, had some stuff going on. Uh, of your own, but uh, I did uh, was able to fill the time and and had some uh, some interviews in the in the uh, the meantime when I couldn't track you down. But uh, I want to be sure to give thanks, especially to last week's guests, uh, the guys from the Talk Angry podcast, uh, uh, James and Dustin. We had a great conversation. They actually talked about how their podcast got off the ground. Uh, we talked some Shocker basketball and uh, just sort of re- rehashed. A lot of the last, you know, three, four years uh, that they've been able to experience of watching Wichita State basketball and uh, something we're going to we can get into here with uh, now that the NFL draft is passed, talking about the uh, the upcoming NBA draft. And uh, we saw the list of folks, uh, I guess, headed to the combine and things like that. And uh, a Wichita State shocker was on that list. So uh, we can definitely get into that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it, it's. The podcast is actually picking up some steam, which is great. Uh, folks, be sure to visit NBCSports.com, uh, the multimedia tab. You'll see audio and podcast uh, all on uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, and there's an RSS feed. If you use a specific podcast catching uh, app, everything will be delivered directly to you. So uh, I would appreciate folks that are uh, – positive feedback or any feedback at all, I guess, uh, for, for giving it a listen, giving it a try. So our hope is, like I said, just to have some fun with it and talk about what's going on around the Valley. So, uh, before we do jump into what's on our agenda, I want to be sure to talk about, uh, our spring championships. We had a couple wrap up here over the last few weeks, most recently this past weekend, uh, the men's and uh, women's tennis championships were, uh, were finished in Wichita. The Shockers actually swept both the wins and women's tennis championships. So congratulations to the Wichita State men and women for winning those. Uh, the uh, Wichita State uh, men were the runner-up for the first time in a long time at the men's golf championship. The Southern Illinois Salukis won their first ever Valley men's golf championship. I actually talked to the head coach, uh, Justin Fetcho, on the podcast as well. You can hear that one. That was on... Uh, the April 29 episode as well. Uh, and then, of course, the Wichita State Shockers did win the Women's Golf Championship. So a lot of uh, a lot of hardware collection going on for uh, the Shockers winning some spring championships. And upcoming, we do have uh, softball, which is May 12 through 14. Uh, that'll be in Carbondale, hosted by Southern Illinois. And then uh, that same weekend, the softball will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, the Outdoor Track and Field Championship will be hosted by Indiana State uh, in Terre Haute. And then uh, the final championship of the year. And I tell you what, the baseball standings are kind of crazy right now. Uh, Dallas Baptist has a, has, is, is in first place, but Indiana State's right behind them. And along with Evansville, 
Uh, but the baseball championship uh, the last week of May in Terre Haute, Indiana, hosted by Indiana State. So a lot going on to wrap up the spring. And, of course, uh, once we get through with baseball, uh, we'll see how the outdoor NCAA goes. And hopefully we'll have a number of uh, Valley track and field athletes uh, making an appearance there because we always have some outstanding uh, field athletes, uh, especially on that on that event. So hopefully we'll see some more qualify and make it to the outdoor track and field championship, which takes place in uh, early July, early or excuse me, early to mid uh, June. I don't know the specific dates on that, but obviously you can always check NCA.com for that. So I don't know I just said a mouthful there, but uh, it's always a lot going on for us. And uh, it's fun, especially now when we can, can be out at the championships and experienced uh, the great, the, the, the great uh, athleticism and, and our skill set that the Valley student athletes can put forward and, and see them compete on the national scale too. So that's uh it's what makes the Valley special and it's always great to see our student athletes compete in person for me. So uh sorry, I think it's been since before Arch Madness when I last talked to you. How was your Arch Madness experience? Oh yeah, Arch Madness was incredible. And um obviously we we know how it how it ended where uh where Northern Iowa was able to to I got I mean stop a couple of hearts in the last couple of minutes of their the really their last two games. And then carrying that momentum into the NCAA tournament, so Des Moines was a host for the early round, so I was able to see some college basketball blue bloods here, uh, being Kansas, UConn, Kentucky, and Indiana. Uh, so I that that goes right to the top of my list for um, for college basketball viewing experiences in my lifetime. Yeah. But Arch Arch Madness, like always, was incredible. Fans were great. The The drama, I think, is, and granted, I've only been there in person two years, but I thought the drama this past year was, um, it, it seemed bumped up one more notch. I think a lot of really tight games, some teams that, that got got tough or um, carried some momentum in from the regular season. <clears throat> it was uh, a lot of fun, always. Yeah. yeah. I think one thing that was sort of weird, like I said, all the games were really, really tight. I mean, we have one game that was uh, – Kind of sort of a no a no doubter, but one odd thing that was uh, sort of interesting on Friday, the Friday of Arch Madness, there are four games. Three of the four games, the winning score, the I take it back, all four games actually. I'm less. I'm looking at it now. All four games, the winning score was 66 points. It's you incredible. Probably, <laughs> Wichita <laughs> State beat Loyola 66-58. Northern Iowa beat Southern Illinois 66-60. Evansville beat Missouri State 66-56. Indiana State beat Illinois State 66-57. It's kind of crazy. It's it's nuts, especially with that 66 being the winning score. The the largest margin of victory was 10 points, right? Uh, In in those four games? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not even that, you know, one team hit that 66 mark and the other team either just couldn't get an offense going or was just getting getting beat up by the other team. Those were games where the the score sat right at a, at a nice median. I mean, 66 isn't incredibly high, but every one of those games, and it felt like that was the tone of Arch Madness. It was just teams trading blows for 40 minutes, and that yeah. that's exciting basketball. Yeah. And i got to correct myself. It, as I was going to originally say, three of the four, it was three of the four. The, uh, the Illinois State... Uh, Indiana State game was in fact 65 65 57 in favor of Indiana State so pardon me there uh, <laughs> I won't edit it if you heard me make the mistake there I'll leave it in there because I am human 
But like I said, still 65 and the other scores were 66. Still kind of crazy that that happened at Arch Madness. So uh, it was fun. Like I said, and the NCAA tournament, you, you, were in the, you got the chance to see the games in Des Moines. We hosted here in St. Louis, and we had uh, some great games, especially the uh, Wisconsin-Syracuse game uh, that was a buzzer beater at the same time oh, that, wow. yeah. that Northern Iowa was taking on uh, Texas A&M. We'll leave that one alone. We I, I don't remember there. that game. Yeah, there you go. I... <laughs> we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> But on the note of basketball, so I mentioned you, you said you were busy with something, uh, uh, a project that uh, the voice of the uh, Northern Iowa Panthers, Gary Ramos, got going on, uh, a basketball team up in that area. What's, what's, the, what's the deal with his basketball team up there in Iowa? Yeah, so Gary Rima, uh, obviously a big basketball guy. He's the voice of the Panthers, um, but he's he's got a huge heart for the game of basketball. And what he's done is he's brought a uh, a, a semi professional. Um, so they play in the Midwest Basketball League. He's brought a team to the Cedar Valley, so Waterloo, Cedar Falls, where essentially right around where Northern Iowa is. And he's taken this team, so the Cedar Valley Court Kings or in their inaugural season, playing in the Midwest Basketball League. And he's pieced this team together of guys from from nearby Cedar Rapids, a couple of other community college guys, and really excitingly, a couple of very talented former UNI players. And I'm talking about guys like Jordan Igglesteader, who's on that great Sweet 16 team, uh, Anthony James as well, and Marvin Singleton, a guy out of Minneapolis who is just um, briefly removed from the UNI program, had a coaching job up at Minneapolis, and he was one of the first guys that Gary Rima brought down to sort of anchor this team. And they have they've played two games so far, on the road in Chicago, kind of a tough way to open up a, a franchise, let alone a season. And they've they've gone zero and two, dropped two close games. Um, first one was I think maybe a, a ten or a twelve point loss, and the the second one was double digits. But they're coming home Sunday, May fifteenth, playing at the the Sportsplex there in Waterloo, and they're um they they think they've got a pretty good operation going definitely seeing some some interest in the area and even down to the des moines area and hopefully uh sort of just give another venue for the sport of basketball in the cedar valley obviously uni has done a lot for that community and gary thinks that this is just another option for folks yes it's got to be pretty cool to see some of the guys that have gone through northern iowa there and be playing in the area and you got another chance to see some of the guys from college even though they're not playing you know in the pros or whatnot but still have the talent and, and the ability and how they want to play. Um, so there's a good chance to see some of those guys playing uh, in the air. So that's got to be pretty cool, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first sat down and met with Gary when he was putting these pieces together, I, I walked into his office, I sat down. This was before we had ever signed. Actually, later that night, he announced the first official signing, and that was Marvin Singleton to the team. But he had a list of maybe six names on the wall right next to his desk, every single one of them a former UNI guy. And he, <laughs> he said, Joey, those are the first people I'm calling to put on this team. Nice. Yeah, so he's he's had a great idea going into it, which is to just – you know, it's it's the first season, so put a team on the floor that people want to watch. And sure. obviously in that community, that's that's UNI basketball players, sure. along with a couple of um, really talented other local guys. Absolutely. I'm sure uh, it's got to be great. To, and I'm sure they're going to get some great support uh, from the folks that they've known. And, it, and there's that, that community up there, especially with the Northern Iowa Panther team, that always had so much great support. And when they do uh, have things like that, they've seemed to bond so well. We even saw... Uh, saw a note about their rally in the Valley that they have uh, had some great support there again last night. Uh, so I got to imagine that they get some great support 
uh, from folks up up there in the area going to see some uh, some former Panthers still in action. So that's got to be fun. Yeah, and I think it's also a really cool opportunity for some of these players, too, who, um, you know, some of the guys are just looking for an outlet to play the game again. Some of these guys, though, still have aspirations. You know, yeah. they either want to they want to latch on with a larger team or maybe go overseas, and the, the whole organization is based on accommodating really all of those needs. If you want to come and play and you've got the talent level, that's fine. If that's as far as your ambitions go, great. But if you're a guy who wants to take it to the next level, you're going to get that kind of exposure traveling around to these different teams. Right. And it's funny you mention that because we always see uh, guys from the Valley that when they come through and they play, uh, you know, Clint and your early guy, it was a guy that got drafted uh, by the New York Knicks, spent some time in the D league, got called up for a little bit. It's been back and forth uh, between the D league and, and whatnot. But a lot of our guys end up, you know, going to play overseas and usually they can excel over there. I know for one, I follow Kyle Weems's career on Twitter. He's like a star playing over, I believe, I want to say like in Germany or whatnot. He's playing over in the European leagues and is on a really successful team. They were in the midst of the playoffs, uh, playoff run here, uh, but I'm sure even that outlet, if it's not the NBA, if you can find another way to extend your career and play professionally, and if you can make a good living out of it, it's got to be something that's a goal for a lot of these guys uh, using whatever league as a stepping stone to get noticed uh, to be able to continue their playing career. Absolutely. And I think it's interesting that you say that. I don't know if it's just the style of basketball played in, in the conference or sort of at this level that our conference is at, but you, you do see a lot of guys that maybe have talked to some NBA teams, maybe get into the, the D-League level or maybe get some individual workouts, and then they go overseas and they, they have great careers. It's yeah. just the style of play. I know Seth Tuttle, uh, yeah. recent UNI grad, he's over there right now. He's playing pretty well. Anthony James, who's on the Court Kings now, had some, some European traction as well. Yeah, yeah, and I can remember going even back further, uh, Blake Ahern, he, he actually was was in the D-League uh, got pl- got some time playing with Miami, uh, with the Heat, with uh, San Antonio Spurs, uh, playing overseas, and you know his his actual playing career is over now. He's uh, coaching. He's actually back here in the St. Louis area coaching. Uh, he spent one year at a at Clayton High School here, and now is back at his alma mater, DeSmet High School, uh, here in the St. Louis area as a varsity boys high school coach. So, um, like I said. The opportunity is there if you can find it and take advantage of it. Um, but speaking of that opportunity, so the guys, we, we've, we've talked often about our senior class uh, and what they've done in the league this year. Their opportunity at the next level, guys like uh, DJ Ballantyne, Gideon Miscavichus, Ron Baker, Fred Van Vliet, uh, so on and so on. So many guys, and those are the guys that, you know, originally could pop into the top of your head, but I'm sure like guys like Anthony Bean, those guys want another shot at playing, you know, either D-League or overseas. Uh, we've been seeing now, you know, some of the coverage of the uh, NBA draft and the combine and mock drafts, things like that. And there are some names popping up that are familiar to us. And, and specifically, we've seen a list that's got Ron Baker listed. Uh, I believe it was tweeted by Jeff Goodman, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a lot of these guys cover uh, for CBS and Fox Sports and whatnot. Um, but I don't know. You 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 think what 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 do you think the legitimate chances are for? Let's just use Ron Baker since we saw his name on the list uh, of of these guys making it. Let's just stay within the states, the D League or the NBA. I like 
I don't know much about, you know, what it takes or the process, quite honestly, but uh, we're outsiders looking in. You got to think a guy like Ron Baker who could, you know, play, uh, uh, bring the ball up the court is a fantastic shooter. He's got to get a realistic shot somewhere, I would think. I would have to agree, and I think that in any of these postseason invitationals that Ron Baker has been featured in, um, what uh, he he played in in one that was uh, it, it was just teams of of seniors from the NCAA, but he in that game, and that's that's a you know a court full of the best seniors in the game of college basketball, he stood out. And if you watched that game, it wasn't broadcast live, but they had the the replay of it. I think it was right around the Final Four, maybe right before the championship game. But but those commentators assigned to that game, all they could do was talk about Ron Baker. Uh, so he's he's made an impact with, with his attitude, with his character, and without a doubt with his talent. I think that when you look at his game, he, he does everything well. He facilitated for a great Wichita State team, Every time he was on the court, I think the the only issue that anyone's ever brought up with Ron Baker is some of the athleticism. He's a great shooter. He's a great basketball mind. There are some some quick bursts, some agility things. You watch some tape on him. He's a little he's a little tight finishing at the rim. But I think that when you look at the NBA draft combine, now he's on this list of guys that has received an official invitation. And he's got representation, so his agent, him, they've coordinated him attending this NBA draft combine uh, May 11th, so in about a week and a half here. And he's going to get to meet with, with there's going to be teams that have interest. Each team has the ability to meet with, I think, at most 18 guys there. And there's no doubt that Ron Baker isn't on that list because that, that list of invites, that's voted on by NBA teams. So the guys on that list are guys that at least a team or a handful of teams have interest in yeah now um, go ahead I was gonna say, I'm, there's a, an event that takes place uh it's complete now it happened gosh i want to say it was back in april it was it was right after the final four i want to say but it's called portsmouth invitational tournament yeah um features a lot of the the seniors and, and whatnot folks that's got the inspiration or aspirations to play at the next level uh i was going through the rosters uh, Aguilius Miscavages and Wes Washburn were on the same team, uh, and DJ Ballantyne also played in that event as well. Um, I did not spot uh, Fred and Ron on those rosters. Now that could be, you know, one reason or another why they didn't play. I do know that the the uh, at the Final Four, the the senior game that both Fred and Ron and Aguilius were selected to. Uh, Fred Van Vliet did not play because of uh, a little, you know, minor knee uh, uh, injury just didn't want to chance it for uh, another opportunity. So he didn't play in that. So that could be the reason why he didn't play in the uh, Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. But uh, our, the other scenes we've we've mentioned many, many times, including Wes Washburn, also played in that event. So uh, those are one of those things where the the uh, NBA scouts are watching. And that's, where another, that's one of those opportunities where you can sort of uh, make yourself stand out to sort of make your draft stock, I guess, get higher. Yeah, it was definitely a good exposure chance. And speaking of Fred Van Vliet, on this list that Jeff Goodman's been maintaining, so if if you're not already, Jeff Goodman on Twitter has been updating this list of guys he can confirm have received these invitations to the NBA Draft Combine. 
Now there are, I think, 64 guys on the list right now. He he says there's going to be probably about 70 invited in total. And then there are 13 alternates listed as well. Fred Van Vliet is one of those alternates. So he's a guy that's right in line if if a couple of guys decide not to attend. And there are, there are always a couple of guys that are pretty familiar with what they're, you know, what team they're going to go to. Guy Ben Simmons and Brandon Ingram are two big guys out of LSU and Duke that um, may, may just not even attend. So as guys make that decision, Fred Van Vliet's going to have a chance to go and do the same thing that Ron Baker is, and that's demonstrate his athleticism, playing some five-on-five drills, and meet with teams. And at that point, it's just it's just getting in a chair across from, from a rep from an organization and trying to latch on, whether it's a summer league deal, whether it's the D League, or whether it's just getting the right connection to go play professionally somewhere, states or otherwise. Yeah, I, I guess, honestly, for guys that play, you know, non-BCS leagues, um, that's got to be the key is if you can make yourself stand out and just get that opportunity and can prove yourself, that might be all it takes. I mean, we know those guys have the skill. We've seen them. They've made so many outstanding plays. They're, they're no slouches. Those those guys can get it done on the court, and if they can just get the opportunity, I'm sure uh, they can probably make themselves stand out. Uh, size, you know, not in consideration because, you know, everyone's got different needs. Um, and I, I remember at Arch Madness uh, sitting for the championship game. Uh, oh, gosh. His name, Doherty. He was the coach at North Carolina. His name escapes me now. Matt Doherty. There we go. Matt Doherty. He's an NBA scout, and he mentioned that he was there specifically watching for uh, Aguinius, and he thought that he, he may have been able to see uh, uh, to check out DJ Ballantyne at the same time. So you never know. You never know. But we do get NBA scouts that show up to Arch Madness every now and then. Uh, and, and in some years more than others. I remember the year where we had, you know, Clint Anthony Early and all those guys from Wichita State. Uh, the, there was a number of NBA scouts that, that, that showed up. So, you know, it's, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's got to be all about getting noticed. I, I'm kind of curious. I would love to know what that process is like. I, I may have to track down, you know, a Seth Tuttle or something like that and see if they can talk about what that process is like of going through, uh, trying to be noticed, going through all these combines and, and, and workouts and tryouts. Cause I remember Jake Odom from the played in Indiana state. He went through tryout after tryout. And I remember he had one with the, with the uh, Indiana Pacers and it was like a big deal. Cause everyone's like, Oh, he's trying out for the, the local team and everything. And of course, you know, didn't work out for him, but it's just that process that's got to be so much. And you got to put in the work if you want to try and get that opportunity to the next level. Oh, yeah. And I think I think Seth Tuttle is a, a really interesting example if we could get him to talk about that because he wasn't a guy that, you know, you've got to keep in mind there are hundreds of guys, um, close to 200 guys that are going to be eligible for the draft, that have declared for the draft, and there are 60 spots. 60 guys are going to get drafted, yeah. and there are 70 that come to this combine because NBA teams have reached out and said they want them to. Seth Tuttle, as good as he was in the Valley, wasn't a guy that attended the combine, but he did a lot of individual workout stuff. Yeah. Played in the summer league, I believe, for the Miami Heat, uh, and and now is is playing overseas. So that's that's a really interesting story of the process. Yeah, and I think that's the one of the main differences is with the NBA – the draft is not the same as Major League Baseball and NFL. It's so, so, so sm- much smaller, so much fewer spots. Uh, and those workouts and, and being something to free agents things in the D-League, that stuff really, really kind of matters where they have those opportunities there, even if you aren't drafted. So uh, that's a major, major key because 
or a league like the Valley, we see guys in the Major League Baseball draft all the time. Like I, I actually sit by on Twitter every year. I've done this the last couple of years where I actually have a column and tweet deck, my Twitter application up, and it's it's dedicated to the MLB draft Twitter account. The, where all they do is just tweet out draft picks one after another throughout the entire duration. And I'm just sitting there waiting for Valley guys. And we've had, you know, upwards of 20 to 30 guys each year get picked. Oh, yeah. Um, and like I said, the MLB draft runs over multiple days. And, you know, there's tons of picks. And it's, you know, all these rounds. It's a lot, a lot going through. I remember I talked to Joey Hawkins in one of my podcasts. He talked about how... Uh, for him, he was one of the guys picked in one of the final rounds of the draft, and he got an opportunity. He's going to try and make the best of it. So uh, this is another shameless plug for a previous episode of the podcast. Go <laughs> well, look through there. He 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 talked about how he you know started with uh, a, a minor league and and gotten through uh, uh, a fall season of, of, of baseball and everything, and it was his first taste of it. And he's kind of like you know what. I'm going to see where it goes and where it lives because, you know, what? it's an opportunity. And I, I, I'm sure uh, for these guys that you know, want to make basketball their career, that opportunity probably means a whole lot. Absolutely. And I think when you're talking about the difference between MLB, NFL, and NBA, it's it's the nature of these businesses. You look at Major League Baseball, there these are massive operations yeah. with a lot of guys at a lot of different levels. And then it gets a little smaller with NFL, obviously bigger rosters than NBA. Um, but more rounds, you're still talking about teams with, you know, multiple picks, seven, eight, nine, if they can trade and accumulate the right ones. And then there's the NBA where you're talking about a team that's, uh, they've got a pretty tight knit, probably core group of guys, and they've got maybe a couple picks. They, they know who they want to add to that. You're, you're not seeing teams go out and just randomly grabbing guys. They've done their homework. They've met with this guy. They've worked him out. They know who's joining that team. And that's why that exposure is so critical for these players in this tight window here. For the record, the NBA draft is set for June 23rd, 2016. It's at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. There are, this is, this number is insane to me, 162 early entry candidates for the 2016 draft. 162. That seems like a really high number. <laughs> well, an interesting point about that, this is the first, so this rule was changed in January right. of this year. Um, that that withdrawal deadline used to be before the NBA draft combine. So now guys can declare. And also, you know, speaking of guys getting that right shot and that invite, there are early entry guys that are going to get this invite to the combine. And then they've got until 10 days after the end of that combine to withdraw their name, return to the college game. So that's another huge reason. Actually, uh, if you look at, I've got the numbers of just the collegiate guys. So not the international guys, because that number pretty much stayed the same last year. There were 48, early eligible guys that declared this year it's 117 excluding the international guys so that's more than double the number because of that rule change wow wow this is interesting yeah i if folks want to see it obviously you can google search it wherever you get you want to look at when the nba draft in terms of mock drafts and whatnot but uh there is a a full list nba.com um if you search the draft and whatnot and i just saw the official release which is dated april 26th uh of their early entry guys uh, and these are guys that are specifically making themselves known that they are, uh, they uh, have filed uh, for the draft. Um, that's what that means. So looking at the list right now, uh, there are no Valley guys on that list. Now that doesn't mean much because, you know, you've got time still to get in, but you know, these are 
freshmen, I mean, they're from all classes. They're all kinds of schools. I mean, they're guys from Southeast Missouri State, New Mexico State, Vanderbilt, big schools, small schools, all across the board. So it's a lot of names and, and not a whole lot of spots. No, and I think one of the most interesting out of that 162 um, Thon Maker, who's a guy that was heavily recruited by Kansas, Arizona State was in the mix, also a couple other of those Blue Bud schools. Um, that's a guy that, because he's technically more than one year removed from high school, he's he's bypassing that. He's yeah. he you know he he was courted by a couple of college programs and said, actually, I think I'm I'm just going to head to the association. So this is a guy that's declaring that hasn't actually played college ball yet, and that's yeah. kind of interesting. Orangeville Prep. Athlete Institute. He's a seven footer. So yeah, who knows what kind of athleticism that and, guy's and got? That, like, that guy is definitely on the combine list because I don't know how you're an NBA team and you're not interested in what that guy can do on yeah. a basketball court. I'm not gonna act like I've seen him play because I haven't. But a seven footer, <laughs> that's he. He must have some kind of skill. So I mean, it's gonna be interesting how it pans out. Like I said, I've, I sit and watch. I, I I will admit, last year I did. I definitely had a. Uh, a Twitter graphic and an Instagram graphic ready to go in case Seth Tuttle was drafted. Obviously, it didn't happen, but I was sitting there hoping. I had my fingers crossed, and it, it did, did, did not quite pan out. But uh, I'm going to be paying attention uh, come June and, and seeing if uh, we get some uh, Ron Baker, Fred Van Vliet, you know, Agidius Miscavige's action going and see if we can get those guys drafted in the NBA and, and, and could continue their career. So uh, it'd be a huge, huge thing, and it's – It'd be great because, like I said, it's it's not a normal occurrence. It's not a huge, huge thing. We see these guys that have the great ability, but the draft is just so limited. It's, it's unlike the other uh, the major pro sports drafts that are that are around in the states. Uh, it's it's a great thing if we can see these guys uh, continue their career and, and can get drafted in the NBA. Absolutely, and and on the other hand, it might be a tight window, but that draft is June 23rd. We've still got the combine, and you know there are Valley guys. They're going to be talking to teams, working out for teams. There are mock drafts out there right now that might not show a Valley guy there. I'm certain you can find them. Yeah. Um, but but that's we're talking seven weeks here. Plenty's going to change. Those numbers don't mean a lot unless you're talking about the first one or three guys up there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Man, you dropped a lot of draft. I didn't know you had this much draft knowledge. You have more than I got. Did some prep work, Derek. Did some prep work. I, nice. I, I had to bring my game back. You, you told me that the show's been going so well, it's picking up steam. I got nervous. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's just, it's, I just appreciate folks taking the time to, to want to speak and, and just uh, have me hit them with questions. That's all it's all about. So, like I said, if uh, folks have suggestions, uh, guests, uh, topics, whatever they might be, let us know. Like I said, we, our, our, our goal here is just sort of bring a different feel, a different perspective on uh, what we can talk about uh, on topics related to the Valley. So uh, the NBA draft, like I said, we're hoping to see some guys uh, that did so much for our league and, and over the last couple of years, see them be able to continue their career. And this is one aspect of it. So, so I really appreciate your insight. This is great. This is fun. Glad to be here. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. This has been the Inside the Valley podcast here on NBCSports.com. <laughs>